Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars, and uh, today we're going to talk about Wayne Kramer. He died not too long ago. He was the guitar player for the MC5, one of the founding members of that band. And, you know, we, being guitarists, want to pay homage to our fellow guitar players out there, and especially when they pass on, and especially somebody like Wayne Kramer, who was pretty important to, I would say, the the punk scene as it developed as an inspiration and... um Kind of rock that, and roll in general. Yeah, and rock and roll in general. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, we thought it'd be fun to just pay homage to him and talk about, um, I kind of had an angle where I did a bunch of research and and just really got into the MC5, you know, hearing about his passing. And, and um, the one thing that struck me was, you know, he, like other artists or bands, like kind of the, like the Ramones or the Stooges, kind of were these inspirations really for generations of musicians they didn't necessarily uh, maybe gain the fame they had hoped or the or the wealth they'd hoped but in the end they they proved to be very inspirational for a lot of other musicians and i thought it was would be interesting to talk about that what do you think about that chris Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, people that probably don't even know who he is are influenced by him, whether they know it or not. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of interesting because he himself and his guitar brother, um, Fred Smith, were both very influenced by Chuck Berry, who, you know, I, yeah. I don't want to make sure we give enough time to Wayne Kramer. But I mean, I was thinking about that when I was thinking about this, just what Chuck Berry is to the guitar. It's like, in and how many people's part how many people's story. And I kind yeah. of think that Chuck Berry is to the guitar, what the Beatles are to pop music and modern, you know, rock and roll. And yeah. that's only one aspect of them too, because Chuck Berry's songwriting was another thing that, I don't want to go down that road, but I just wanted to say yeah. that they are like the next generation that they've influenced a bunch of people and people may not even know it so much what they're referencing when they're actually referencing those dudes because yeah. they were, you know, so seminal in that time period. Yeah, but well, I think the Chuck Berry tie-in is totally applicable here, and and I think he's I think he is foundational for so many guitar players of that generation, and like you, you and me, who came later in 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 uh, the line of guitar players, that's all in our DNA too. From you know the people we in, we were influenced by and inspired by, so I think it's yeah, I think it's an applicable tie-in for sure. It's kind of a shame because I have all their music on CDs, but I haven't had a CD player for like 15 years. <laughs> and I don't have any of them on vinyl, and that's pretty much all I've been listening to lately. So when I was listening, re-listening and kind of, you know, revisiting upon his passing, I was just kind of realized I got to get some, I got to get their music back into my life because it's been a long time. Yeah. And a while back, you know, my band did the American Ruse song, and that was kind of like lit another thing. Like, I got to, I got to spend more time with these people, but I... I have not, and it's kind of a shame. So, you know, kind of looking into this the past like week or so when we started talking about this was kind of really lit another fire under my ass to say like, I got to get me some some of them. I mean, there's always Spotify, but it's like it's kind of soul crushing. I mean, those yeah. records don't sound that great really, but on Spotify, it's even worse. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, so, but I, I definitely need to get some back in my life. Yeah, me too. And I think I have their stuff on random formats too. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to just talk a little bit more about that because I, I, I saw interviews with him and one interview in particular, he was talking about kind of the, I think it was with Terry Gross. He was on Fresh Air like a while, like many years ago, but he was saying kind of like how he carried um, all that baggage with him, like kind of the resentment of some of his peers that kind of, you know, got famous and rich or, you know, kind of surpassed him in terms of being in a band or, or a musician. 
And he talked about, he was pretty candid about it, you know, the, the baggage he, I mean, among other things, right, but the implosion of the band itself, and then just kind of all the trials and tribulations he encountered as a result of not having that band and kind of not living up to, uh, you know, what he'd hoped uh, his future incarceration. Yeah, exactly. That'll, dude. That'll do. Some. That'll put a damper on things. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Everything that I found recently since his passing that I've read about, I think, and that's kind of stands to reason. I mean, he's just, to me, just seems like such a proponent of the guitar as a life changing thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I've said this a, a lot that it's not a thing. You get all caught up in this to guitar. It's, it's a hobby. It's a sport. Look at, we get some accessories for our guitar, pickups, <laughs> amps, all this stuff. And he, he didn't really give a shit. He happened to play some cool gear. He didn't yeah. give a shit about that. It was the music and what the guitar was capable of and you know the kind of things he did in his life like what was that thing that he did with uh incarceration and guitars guitars for jail, jail. guitar doors yeah, yeah him and yep. billy bragg we should all inspire guitar culture to see that it's way way beyond just stuff because we're just inundated with stuff all the time and like shootouts and all this shit and in the end it's like why do we do this after you know how many million years of playing the guitar because it is more than a hobby it is more than a sport he was the person that that struck me instantly that lived his entire life around the guitar you know what i mean yep, was, yep. i was really impressed and you know kind of in awe of that about him yeah and that's a great point because uh, uh, again he he talked about like first hearing the guitar you know his reaction was visceral to that sound right he felt it in his body you know this loud electric guitar and to your point yeah exactly it was much more than the the physical items like a guitar and an amp and stuff he felt it in his bones like and and that's how he approached it too and uh hearing him talk just you know the mc5 wanted to they wanted to convey that to the audience right that energy it wasn't about just the music or they wanted to somehow transmit this energy to the audience and that's why the show was so you know energetic i mean and he was insane i loved watching him like i love that footage of mc5 and he's like he's kind of like james brown like he's playing guitar and he's like shuffling around the stage and shimmying around the stage and just putting on a show but i was really impressed with him too as a guitar player not just as a guitar player but just his whole philosophy about the guitar about music i mean he was into free jazz he was into all this cool stuff and so he was yeah much more than just a, a guitar player in a uh you know a hard rock band Right. And the, what you mentioned about, you, you can even see on some of these really horribly recorded YouTube clips, how much of a force of nature that band was. It was them, you know, it was the yeah. guitars, but it was everybody, the whole thing. It wasn't even like a rock show. It was more like, you know, like testifying at church or like, a, you know, a political rally or something. It was just really powerful. And you could see it in the crowd, even in the most lowest quality clips, you can hear that totally sternum banging mid-range throaty guitar that just yeah i don't know i have never really gotten to play at that th those decibels but you can just <laughs> hear it and yeah and they were like super old school every one of them super old school performers too it was like you were yeah. saying like james brown or something they were just really about the show and the look the banners and all that stuff so it was Something that I, I just wish I would have had a chance to see, you know, at some time, but yeah. they were gone by the time I was even like able to go to any shows. But yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. Like I said, a force of nature that band is. And it's, yeah. And I know anybody that's ever seen him has said that, that was just like, like life changing, like show. Yeah. But, well, it, it you being from their, their neck of the woods, essentially, did, were they, was that kind of in your consciousness as a kid growing up and playing music? Was that- no, 
I wasn't cool enough as a kid. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I was familiar with the term "kick out the jams, motherfucker" because people uh -huh. would say that a lot. I had no idea what that Got meant until you know I was in my twenties or whatever, and I started like exploring other types of music. So I didn't really. I'd heard the name. Yeah. And you know, now in retrospect, I guess when you get to be a certain age, you kind of start feeling your roots, and it's kind of like I'm kind of go back and look at your heritage. So him and Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter, other Michigan guitar players, those two I was into and didn't even know it. They were on all the records I was right. listening to it. But now it's like definitely have a, a greater appreciation for, you know, the Michigan sound because there is a Michigan sound, you know, yeah. what I mean? there's a Detroit yeah. sound and, you know, them and the Stooges and they, they can definitely hear that and um, watch and watching some of that footage, you know, collected from back then is just like, it kind of did remind me of home. You know, I'd been That's to Detroit cool. in the late sixties, you know, once or something like that, just, uh -huh. you know, but I remember it as a child, I can remember it because kind of being terrifying and, you know, kind of <laughs> fascinating at the same time. So. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I, they were a force of nature and just listening to him talk in interviews and stuff, it was cool because it, it there was thought behind how they presented the band. And like you were saying, I mean, they were, you know, they were very politically active in terms of, you know, it was the 60s. They were product. They were kind of that generation that was really pushing back against the older generation. And he talked about that a lot. And and that, you know, they they formed the the White Panther Party because they the Black Panthers said, hey, we need, you know, some white folks to step up and, and be our counterparts. And they did that. And he talks about how initially it was kind of just not a joke, but kind of they were you know, they weren't really taking it too seriously. They, they weren't all huddled in a room, you know, planning, you know, destruction or anything, but, but they were very politically aware. And, and like you said, I mean, that translated into their shows too. I mean, the, I forget the guy's name that introduced them. It wasn't John Sinclair, but it was some other cat, but yeah, he would, he would give that big fire and brimstone speech about, you know, the revolution and you know, are you going to be the problem or the solution? And yeah. I saw John Sinclair read poetry in Lansing, oh, Michigan, dude. probably in 1980. Probably would have been like 87, 88, something like that. There was like five people in this coffee house and sitting there listening to him. And it was interesting listening listening to his poetry, but I was actually just thinking about, I just want to sit down and talk to him and talk about all the shit oh, he dude. And went through. Oh my but God. I didn't get a chance to. Um, that yeah. would have been so cool, dude. Yeah, because I mean, he, you know, he did 10 years for selling two joints to a, right. <laughs> a federal age or something. That's such it's fucking bullshit. It's totally, dude. It's insane. I thought about that. And I'm just like, that is so freaking insane. And yeah, but Billy Bragg started the Jail Guitar Doors program where they uh, give inmates guitars and kind of try to get them focused on music instead of, you know, harming each other and <laughs> and doing all yeah. other. And Wayne Kramer uh, was the kind of the American offshoot of that project. It's funny too, because he was talking to Billy Bragg and Billy Bragg was telling Wayne about, you know, the song by the clash and, and Billy Bragg didn't know that the song was about Wayne Kramer. <laughs> and so right. Wayne's like, yeah, that's about me. I'm, I'm Wayne. That's me. <laughs> and it was so cool because it was just like this epiphany, but, um, oh, yeah. two and two. Oh. <laughs> I can't say enough about the guy because I think he was cool. He was the real deal. He walked the walk. He, he, he saw all that shit. He, he made some bad choices and paid the price and he knew it and, but came out of it trying to do the right thing in so many ways. And, and, um, and so as a guitar player too, I mean, he's just, he's like any guitar player that watches that footage just has to be inspired. Cause it's like, he's just both the whole band, like you were saying, but, but Wayne to me was just like, 
I, I just can't get over the fact that he was just such a cool, charismatic performer and just like, you know, exuding this energy that not only came through the guitar and the amp, but just him. Like he was just, there were like, you know, lightning bolts coming off of that dude when he played yep. live. It was so cool. And yeah, so yeah, I, I just thought it would be cool to talk about. And it's interesting because, you know, in, in the music business, you know, if you don't achieve what most people think is success, you know, you're, you're kind of, I don't know, you, maybe you, you, as an artist, you probably go through a lot of emotional shit, you know, like, oh man, you know, cause I just, I, I vividly remember watching the Ramones documentary end of the century. And it, I was just so saddened by the fact that they all thought they were going to be, you know, the answer to, or, or the bear, torch bearers of rock and roll and be the next big thing. They thought they were going to be as big as the stones, you know, and they right. never achieved that. And, but later in their career, when they started talking to musicians, like young musicians, like the grunge guys and other people, they realized what an impact they made on these young musicians. And so likewise, Wayne Kramer was in a similar situation. And luckily later in life, I think he got to see from all these inspired musicians, how much he had impacted their lives as musicians. And so I just think that's such a cool thing as an artist. No, it really, it really is. And that was something I think I often think the term that gets thrown around a lot, I just have a problem with that, you know, underrated term, because first of yeah. all, the rating system is completely fucked, but yeah. I can understand not achieving the level of success where you're comfortable, you know, financially yeah. or whatever. But yeah. as far as like, it's like all the right fucking people know about Wayne Kramer and to him, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a shame that not other people aren't, but it's like, I hope he realized that, you know, he was, and I'm sure he did by who yeah. he hung out with that he did. He was loved by, you know, and admired by so many other cool guitar players yeah. and you know, people in general. So, yeah, because I think as an artist, whatever medium you're in, I think that's got to be gratifying. And, you know, you go through all the emotional baggage as you're on your journey, but it's got to be gratifying, you know, when you encounter people who are truly affected by, you know, your career as a musician or a person. And, and it is, a, a, you know, a combination of him as a musician as a, and a person, I'm sure, that really impacted the lives of all these people. But I, I just think that's so cool because, I mean, ultimately, that's what you want. You want, you know, yeah, the, the material stuff, we all think about it and we all... But honestly, like if you're an artist and you really believe in your art and you're committed to it, the most gratifying thing I think you can have is to inspire people to go start a band or start painting or doing whatever. I think that's so cool. That's a cool, that's a cool legacy to have. Yeah. And actually change the course of music, you know, because yeah. I mean? they yeah. did, they did their, their little, their little part. And I don't know. I mean, this is something that, you know, I know people who really care about this and I, I can understand why. But the whole um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, I don't know if they've ever made it in there. I mean, it's a shame if they haven't, but fuck that place. You know what I mean? I, it's about, I think so, It's too. about commerce. You know, it's not about art. It's not about rock and roll. It's not about music or anything. So it's kind of unfortunate. But um, I was just genuinely curious. I'll have to look to see if they ever got, you know, the MC5 ever made it. I know they've been nominated, but I don't know if they ever made it yeah. into I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either. I, knew, I do know, that, I think they were nominated, but I don't know if they made it either. And I agree with you. I, I think that whole thing, again, because it speaks to what we talked about before in terms of the competitive nature of, or, or the competitive bullshit that people bring to art is just so unappealing, you know? And these awards and these other things, I mean, it, it, if you're acknowledged by your peers, that's 
that's important, I think. But, you know, the Rock and Roll of Fame, all this other stuff, they, they're just corporate, you know, manifestations of of people wanting to, Yeah, again, I think it's just gatekeepers wanting to, you know, have their little power trip over, you know, whatever art they they're involved with. So I, yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I don't really know how he felt about it, about the rock and roll of fame or any of that other stuff, but I really appreciate artists that don't, you know, it, it's hard not to, because I think a lot of times they think about their fans and like, I remember rush, they were so, you know, their fans were so strong minded about wanting to see rush in the hall, in the rock and roll hall of fame that I think they, that was kind of what fueled them in terms of like, okay, well, yeah, our fans really dig this. So we're, we might take more interest in it, but I don't, right. you know, but I'm sure Wayne Kramer and those guys seem like, you know, the gritty kind of guys that probably wouldn't give a shit, you know, it's like, I don't care ultimately. And especially a guy like Wayne, Wayne Kramer, I think he thought more, he was more thoughtful about his life. It's like, well, that's, that'd be great. But you know, I'm more focused on this program I'm, I'm doing with jail guitar doors and, and political activism and all this other stuff. So that, you know, cool if that happens, but I don't really give a shit. Made me realize I got to read that book. I can't believe I haven't read his book. I read all of these rock books, yeah. but I haven't read his. I got to read it's that on the list. Like, yeah. For very sure. soon, but we have to take a moment or two after me saying all this stuff about how spiritual guitar is, is like talk uh -huh. about the gear. Yeah, yeah, they we, we might as well. Shit. Totally, both the, dude. Both him yeah. and Fred play some yeah. really cool shit. If you look, you'll see Wayne Kramer. He'll have, he's got a Dan Armstrong, a black Lucite guitar for a while. He had a cool, it looks like a Wilshire, an Epiphone yeah. Wilshire for a yeah. while. And then he had his Stratocaster. It was, I, I don't know the year of that. It must have been like a 67, 68, maybe a 69. I don't know. I think a late 60s. Yeah, for sure. It was sure. definitely late 60s, but I don't know if it was 67, 68 or 69. Something I learned just recently is I always assumed that Fred Smith's Rickenbacker was a solid body six string. It was a 12 string. Oh, strung, really? Strung as a six string. But oh, I love that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He made me want a like a solid body Rickenbacker. I mean, and I got to play one once for a, for a show. This was back in Michigan. Someone lent me one to do a show uh -huh. and I really liked it. It was kind of unique. It, 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 it sounded better than the Strat I had, but um, it more than anything, it just felt really good and it just super comfortable. But yeah, I, I'm glad we are talking about the gear. Cause that, that's another thing that stuck out to me too. I, I, I think he played a junior too, maybe. I, maybe, but I, maybe it was the Wilshire I'm thinking of. Esquire. Yeah, he played an yeah, Esquire too. Yeah, the Esquire. And then, of course, the Marshall Stacks. I mean, and the cool thing about their first album is it's live. It's a live album. That was another mm -hmm. thing that was unique about that band. It's like, we're putting out a live album. It's our first album. And it sounds, I mean, like you said, I mean, sonically, but I mean, they captured the sound of that. Yeah, they did. They, they exactly. captured the energy of that thing, which is the best thing you can do, you know, right. because um, so many live albums, I think, Sometimes they don't capture the the energy that uh, is being conveyed by the band and, and the audience, which is super important. But man, mm -hmm. they really did on that album, and it's so cool. And I, I, yeah, I revisited all those albums before our talk, and they're just cool. It's garage rock, punk, proto punk, really. I mean, it's just or just rock. I just rock. Yeah, it's just yeah, rock it's and roll, like good stuff. Yeah, rock and roll, and um. Like you said, I mean, Chuck Berry was a huge influence on him. Free jazz. He was into jazz. Like all those no, guys. You can totally hear. I mean, yeah. definitely his approach to it a lot. There's a lot of that element yeah. to it, which is super cool. And the Stooges, too, kind of took that thing a little bit. Yeah. Too, and ran with it a, a little time later. But yeah. no, I love that aspect about it. It's like there's something that just draws me in with that whole like era and the 
decibel, the great yes. decibel level, <laughs> pure rock and roll. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that, that's the first thing that spoke to me about rock and roll too, is just the the feel of it. It's it, it's conveyed usually in, in a certain decibel level, right? It's got to be loud. And one of the first things that I was attracted to was like, wow, this, what is this? This is like, this is affecting me physically. I can feel my body like vibrating and and that's what he he felt when he heard the electric guitar for the first time. And it just grabbed him. And I think that was so cool that, you know, he had that experience. And I think, you know, it's not unlike most of our experiences as musicians when we, you know, whatever our watershed moment is, you know, we feel the whatever that is about rock and roll, you know. I don't know if people do that now, but when I started out, as soon as I got to the point of where I could afford like 50 watts of tube power, it <laughs> yeah. was cranked. It was yeah. totally cranked. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know how my parents ever did this, but they let me play in the basement <laughs> with that cranked. I don't think they could hear anything. Everything was vibrating, oh, but I think hilarious. they were supportive of it. But yeah, I mean, I played as loud as I could. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody did. It's like, oh, it goes totally that loud. Well, that's how loud it's going. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I can't think of doing that now. <laughs> I know, you know, right? But that was a huge part of like learning rock and roll and learning, you know, feel the power. Well, because that's what it is. I mean, that's what rock and roll is. It's this teenage rebellion, essentially. That That's what fueled the, you know, the birth of rock and roll is this, you know, it's this youth and this energy that, that was conveyed through this music. And my my brother and I were the same way. My And I don't know why my parents bought us this stuff. My brother had a full kit up in the attic and I had my Marshall half stack hundred watt and I cranked the fuck out of that thing. And my, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm surprised they didn't kill us. It, <laughs> it goes to 11, but um, yeah. And so uh, I can totally relate. The poor singers back oh, then, because oh, PA was so expensive that, you know, in your first Dude. few bands, it's like singing through whatever you could find. And they're like, yeah. there's no way you're going to be able to hear a word you're singing. No. <laughs> Oh man. You know, when, when somebody passes that has been such a woven into the fabric of rock and roll and, and culture, it always kind of makes me reflective about things, my own playing and just music in general. And then I revisit their material and I get re-inspired. That's another kind of cool thing about just like, you know, and maybe appreciating artists while they're alive too, that you really haven't paid much attention to is just go listen to their music and check it out and see if there's stuff that kind of ignites something in you. And, you know, before there, cause a lot of the, you know, artists that you and I kind of are of our generation or, or you know, or they're getting old and they're dying. So, you know, I think it's a good idea too, to just go out and listen to artists that you think are maybe not, don't have a lot of time left and reacquaint yourself with their material. Well, as always, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. And uh, watch for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we are on the Ruinous Media Network, which we're proud to say now uh, with a bunch of other great podcasts and content creators too. So until next time. Adios. Adios.